name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. Uh, so this week... We're going to be heading back to Reading Vegan Festival 2019 um, and we're going to be uh, listening to Sara Botero. So a former guest of the Bloody Vegans podcast, I think back, way back actually in episode three or four, I think it was. Sara, for those of you who don't know, is a illustrator, author, artist. Uh, she wrote an, an incredible book called The Essential Vegan Toolkit. We talk a great deal more about that in that episode of the Bloody Vegans way back in... Uh, uh, October, I think it was, of last year. So do check that out if you want to find out a little bit more. But without further ado, in this episode, I'll, I'll present to you the the talk that Sarah gave at Reading Vegan Festival in 2019. So here we go, Sarah Botero. talking about how I came about um, making a vegan book and how we can save our home. So I want to start with um, how can you justify the killing of an animal just because you find it tasty? I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this was the question that has stuck with me from nearly four years ago, a little bit before I went vegan. You see, when I was 13, I wanted to be vegetarian because the lamb from the episode where Lisa goes vegetarian um, haunted me. It didn't leave me alone. Sarah, oh, Lisa, I thought you loved me. My parents at the time didn't think that vegetarian, a vegetarian diet was good for a growing teenager. So I was told that I could be one, but only once I had stopped growing. It wasn't until I was at university that I became veggie, but not vegan, because vegans are extreme and not necessary. I soon found out um, that day-old chicks get ground up alive in egg factories, that baby male calves get separated from their mothers who cry out for them, and the calves get killed for their flesh when they're between one week and 24 weeks old, whilst their mothers get killed at four years old. They live up to 20 years old. Suddenly, veganism didn't look extreme at all. How could I be veggie for the animals when in fact, dairy and egg products were even more cruel? Once being vegan, I researched more and more and found out some truly horrifying information and statistics. It was as if we were in a horror film, but everyone had taken the blue pill. I was angry that for so long I, had, I hadn't questioned things and had just accepted society, what society deemed to be morally acceptable. I had trusted. I did the thing that I think all vegans do when they're faced with the reality of animal, animal agriculture. I told everyone I would meet, hey, random friend of a friend, did you know that baby male calves get separated from the mother and they get killed so that, they can, so that we can take their milk? I didn't know, did you? And soon this approach wasn't enough. And I created my Instagram account, KittyG. I used my passion for art and illustration to help share the information that the media, teachers, and pretty, pretty much everyone had omitted because I was sure that many more of me existed that simply didn't know the horrors that non-human animals endure simply for our pleasure. How I created my book. 
So I've made a book, I've made a vegan book. I'd wanted to create a little book with all the different animals that humans exploit and share facts about them. Both positive facts, like did you know that chickens, just like us, experience REM sleep, which means that they dream. And not so positive facts, like chickens have been selectively bred so that they grow at an accelerated rate. So much so that the young bones can break due to the strain of their own weight. In my opinion, the biggest reasons why people carry on eating meat, even when they classify themselves as animal lovers, is because, well, one, speciesism, and two, because they dissociate. This allows them to not see the chicken on their plate, and all they see is food. However, it turns out that printing a book is expensive, and I also didn't know how to make a book. So, like a lot of projects, I thought, oh well, I'll get to that eventually. And I did. I was lucky enough to be approached by Mike Medaglia, who's somewhere over there, oh, right here, <laughs> who co-founded Limino 11, at, um, and we met at a vegan market. To be honest, I thought it was too good to be true. I didn't want to end up like Mark from Peep Show, paying someone a ton of money to publish my book. However, it turns out that Mike was the real deal. <laughs> we got together to chat about ideas that I had for a vegan book. I wanted to create a book that I wish had existed when I first went vegan, and that it was substantial enough in its information that it would also be resourceful for someone who was already vegan. I signed the book contract last June. From June until January, I researched, and I wrote out what I wanted the book to include. And from January to May, I wrote out and illustrated what was initially meant to be 150 pages, but it turned out into 224 pages. I illustrated my pages using pen, scanning the line work, and adding color on Photoshop. Now I'm gonna show you a couple of slides of my book. Um, so natural lifespan of farm animals, um, what their actual na natural lifespan is, and at the age that they get killed. Um, then some more pages. And so it's broken into the why and the how, and then the why is broken into um, environmental reasons, um, health reasons, um, and first and foremost, um, the animals. Um, okay. Uh, my intention for the books, uh, for the book, um, were for to not omit or sugarcoat any of the injustices that non-human animals endure at the hands of humans, to provide a magnitude of reasons and information for being vegan, and finally to enable people to go vegan and stay vegan. At the same time, I wanted it to be fun and engaging with the use of illustrations. Okay. And then to my second part of my talk is how we can make a difference. Um, veganism has given me a superpower. The power of realizing that actions that I make can make a difference. My actions create a ripple effect and so do yours. So you have the superpower too. Now that you realize that you have the superpower, are you going to use it for good or for bad? I would think the answer is good. First of all, we can reduce our impact and demand on our planet by simply reducing our consumption of its resources. We know it's possible because we have successfully reduced our consumption of animal products. We just need to apply this can-do attitude towards other parts of our lives. 
such as refusing as much as we can to buy brand new items. We have enough stuff. We have so much stuff, such as clothes, that we then dump them in the global south so it pollutes them and not us. We need to start changing our mindset so that we can change the system. So you might ask, why do we need to change the system? Climate change is not something that will happen in the future. It is happening right now, and it is killing people right now. We're seeing more drought across the world, more famine, and more extreme weather events. In June of this year, the city of Chennai in India was in crisis after its four main water reservoirs ran dry. Perhaps if we were, perhaps if we were living there, we would be acting with a bit more urgency. However, humans are funny creatures who really, humans are funny creatures really, because since I've moved to the UK, I have seen the frequency of flooding increase and each year the summers get more scorching, but yet a new runway has been given the go ahead and for the most part it seems like people carry on as usual. Between 2014 and 2017, the amount of sea ice lost would cover an area bigger than the size of Mexico. Did you know this? I didn't know this. We only have one home. You think information like this are the sort of news that we should be hearing about every single day. And governments would be like, oh, we need to do something. However, they are not. And this is why we need to shake the system. We need to demand for climate justice. How do we do it? We protest. It works. Antonio Guterres, the, sec the Secretary General of the United Nations, said that the climate Stryker's urgency inspired him to call a UN summit. It is also the reason why the UK has um, declared a climate emergency. So I urge you to get angry and demand more. You can simply turn up to stri strikes like the one that happened yesterday outside Reading Borough Council. There'll be another one next Friday. Um, or and you can join your local rebellion, Extinction Rebellion group. There's a talk, I think they're gonna do a talk later on. Um, climate change is something that humans have created, and hence it is something that we have the capacity to act differently. The metaphorical iceberg is up ahead, and we need to steer the ship in a different direction. So we need to refuse, reduce, reuse, and repair. I would urge everyone here to watch a documentary on Netflix called The Minimalists, because not only is all this stuff that we buy polluting our planet from when it gets made, to when it's being used, and finally, when it gets thrown away. But we have been fed a lie. Stuff doesn't make us happy. In fact, after a certain point, research has found that more stuff makes us less happy. We need to reevaluate our relationship with stuff. We need to be more conscious of the stuff that we buy. Look after it better, and think about its whole life cycle, not just the parts that is going to give us instant gratification. Every year we buy so many clothes in the UK that per household, the equivalent carbon footprint is the same as driving a car for 6,000 miles. The water footprint is equivalent to 1,000 full bathtubs. That's like running nearly three full baths every day for a year. Um, we all know that plastic pollution is a massive problem. It's killing our um, fish, it's killing our mammals. Um, but to make a difference, we don't need to aspire to zero rubbish in our bins to make a difference. In the UK, 38.5 million plastic bottles are used each day, each day and only in the UK. So I urge you to find two areas in your life 
that you identify that you can change. One of those might be changing to a reusable water bottle. If you don't like the taste of tap water, there are options such as carbon sticks that purify the water. Other changes might be always having a bag with you, switching to a bamboo toothbrush, using soap bars instead of liquid soap, switching to a menstrual cup, carrying a spoon with you if you often use plastic cutlery. The list is endless. However, fully commit to one or two of these areas, and once they have become a habit, move on to the next. I promise you, this way you can make such a difference. Flying. Um, a return flight from London to New York releases up to 2.7 tons of carbon equivalent into the atmosphere. This induces approximately 6.6 .6 meters of Arctic ice to melt. We have an annual emission budget of 2.3 tons of CO2. We're in a climate crisis. The UK have announced, Reading has announced it, and this is why we can't be blowing our budget on holidays abroad. Even a short-haul return flight from London to Edinburgh return contributes more CO2 than the mean annual emissions of a person in Uganda. We need to start taking trains and buses and leaving the airport and our cars alone. Food waste. Food waste is another massive problem which we contribute to. The, through some lifestyle changes, we can make a big difference to how much food we throw away. Check the food that you already have in your cupboards before grocery shopping. Make a list, plan if you can, and if you can, um, if you can meal plan, then this will ensure that you don't waste as much food. Finally, make sure your fridge is cold enough because a lot of fridges has been found aren't cold enough so food doesn't stay as fresh as for longer. Um, and a random top tip from me is that I buy Sainsbury's package-free mushrooms, but for a while they would get dry very quickly and they wouldn't be very tasty. Until I started storing them in, in upcycled pasta jars with the lid on in the fridge and now they last just as long as the packaged ones. Finally, download the app Olio, which is an app that aims to reduce food waste by allowing shops and people in general to put up food that they don't want for other people to have. Humans are also animals, and I think this gets far too often forgotten by non-vegans and vegans. The vegan society definition of veganism is, veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as is possible and practical all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. <laughs> Why is it that the compassion that we have for non-human animals, we aren't always extending to other human animals? Why is it that we think about the non-human animals that get exploited, but we don't think about the humans that get exploited in the making of our high street vegan t-shirts? Why is it that we can see the struggle of non-human animals who are oppressed by minority groups tell us that they are oppressed and ask us to be allies and we turn our backs on. If you, like me, want to extend your compassion to all, you might be asking, what can I do? Firstly, listen. Allow yourself to become more open to other people's life experiences that differ to your own. Educate yourself. Privilege doesn't mean that you're wealthy and have got it easy, no. It means that there are certain things such as fundamental human rights that you take for granted and other people don't have. For example, 
My life hasn't been great at times. I'm an immigrant. Um, and there are certain things that some people wouldn't think about worrying about from an early age, about not having a secure place in this country and worrying whether maybe you won't be allowed to stay in this country because you're an alien. But if I were a black woman, my life would have been much harder. If I, if I were a black transgender woman, then my life would have been even harder. In 2018, 26 transgender people were killed, the majority trans women of color. There are multiple struggles that we can't even begin to think of because we haven't had to lift them. By acknowledging your privilege, you're not losing anything. You are validating the struggles that other people go through that you don't. Listen, educate yourself, acknowledge your privilege, and finally, act. When you hear a friend, colleague, or family member making a racist, homophobic, sexist, ableist, transphobic, or any other kind of oppressive remark, let them know that you're not okay with it. Don't be an accomplice with your silence. When someone tells you their pronouns are her and she, or they're they and them, simply listen and respect them. Intersectional veganism simply means that we're taking into account all types of oppression. We don't, want, we don't just want non-human animals to suffer. We also seek to advocate, for example, that the farmers who produce our plant-based foods don't work, in, don't work in unsafe conditions and get treated fairly. Let's treat everyone with compassion. It doesn't take much, and it makes a world of a difference. Thank you for listening. Um, if you've got any questions, um, let me know. If anyone has any questions, then uh, just raise your hand and I'll um, hand a mic to you. Thank you so much. I thought it was a really brilliant talk. Um, I'm just in the sort of weird position of having read some uh, papers about oppression and uh, um, sweatshop labour. And the weird thing I'm discovering is that we're putting our values on another country. And I guess I would campaign against sweatshop labour. Yeah. And yet maybe that's taking away from somebody the only option that they have. Okay, I see what you mean. Um, so you're saying that by campaigning to stop sweatshops, you might be taking away the livelihood of somebody. Okay, I, under I understand that. Um, but the thing is that we don't have to campaign for them to just not have a job at all. We can, we can campaign, uh, for example, the T-shirt that I'm wearing, it's carbon neutral, it's, it's sort of fairly um, fair trade accredited. Um, so we can campaign because at the end of the day, um, they get a minute cut of the price that we actually pay for a T-shirt. Um, so if we campaign for companies such as New Look, Topshop, Marks and Spencers to actually distribute a bit of their wealth, because it doesn't take much to make a difference, because like you said, in those countries, it is their livelihood and we don't want to take that. But just because it's their livelihood doesn't mean that they shouldn't be treated fairly. And we can campaign for standards to be put in, for policies to be put in so that they are protected. They carry on having a job, but in a dignified and humane way. Excellent. We'll just, um, let's all just give a, a really huge thank you to Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening.